The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. Morning, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, or STUV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers in the house, and anybody else I may have missed, too. The Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina. The editor at SonsLibertyMedia.com, where we use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and the narrow. And uh, I'm also the infidel that Allah warned you about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us here on Rotten to the Core Wednesday. Uh, if you'd like to check us out online, please do so. SonsofLibertyRadio.com and SonsofLibertyMedia.com is where you can find us. In fact, if you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, head over to SonsofLibertyMedia.com. Scroll right down on there on the right side of the page, and we are live there. Also, uh, you can catch us on Bradley's Twitter account at BradleyDean1, Periscope and Twitch at Setting Brushfires, our Facebook page, look up Bradley Dean on YouTube, or excuse me, <laughs> excuse me, Bradley Dean SOL on Facebook, Bradley Dean on YouTube. You can also check us out on BeforeIt'sNews.com, and then those of you joining us by way of DLive.TV at The Sons of Liberty. And i got to tell you, the, the quality on DLive surpasses any of the other ones that I've seen. I, every time I go over there, it looks clear. It looks exceptionally clear there more than it does anywhere else. So <clears throat> I actually, if I watch something, <laughs> watch it there. If you would like to uh, help us out, look, we don't hold our hand out for money, but we do tell you we have needs. And if you would like to help meet those needs, uh, there's no pressure, but, you know, it costs money to do the thing. So we're, we're just letting you know. Head over to SonsLibertyMedia.com. There's a donate button right here at the top of the page. You can click that and make a donation to help us out, or you can partner with us every month um, and set up a, you know, an amount that you want to give. You set up one time, it's painless, and it does it every every month. You can do that here at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. Then also, if you would sign up for our newsletter, we you get it once a day. We don't spam you. We don't rent the list out so people can spam you and sell you stuff just put your email in you get one one a day it comes later later in the evening all the articles we have by me bradley lynn um and others other contributors to sons of liberty you can get that by signing up here and finally um bradley was making mention yesterday that uh you know some of the t-shirts and stuff we have you guys see well you can't really see because of the camera shot but um, I'm wearing Sons of Liberty t-shirt and the dog tags every day, and uh, you can pick those up in our store, and that store button is right at the top of the page, sonsoflibertymedia.com, so, and that's a way you can support us too, and you get you get some cool stuff, all right? Um, 
the uh, the dog tags are probably the newest thing. I know a lot of people like the um, rebellions, the tyrants, his obedience to God coffee mug that uh, Bradley uses in the afternoon that he shows you all the time. Uh, those are available in our store, and you can get that, and you can help the ministry we do at Sons of Liberty, and we appreciate that very much. Now, with that said, um, again today I'm going to tell you. I know I I see that the you know boy when you talk about this issue this is the most important issue if any of you guys listen to my interview with G Edward Griffin the education issue is the most important issue there is and for whatever reason for whatever reason people yawn at it they're not interested in it and it is the most, you know why? Because this is how the younger generation is captured. If you wonder why the socialist mindset takes root in, especially in the metropolitan areas, a lot of it has to do with the public indoctrination centers we call public schools. They're being influenced in that. Let me ask you something. How does a young lady like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, how does a young lady like that Grow up in an education system. Go to Boston College, I think it is. Get a degree in economics and be so stupid in economics that she would say socialism is the way to go. How does that happen? Well, it's because they've departed from what real education is. And real education is to learn of the Creator It is to set a moral foundation, which includes economics, by the way. We've talked about that on the show before. We've talked about just weights and measurements. That's a part of, well, that is the foundation of economies, just weights and measurements. Jesus drove the money changers out of the temple because they weren't following that principle. Okay? Indebtedness. Uh, The Bible says it's a curse. All of these kinds of things... And yet, we got people pushing the socialist agenda. Now, for America, we had an early founding, long even before our Constitution, that was premised upon the Bible. All the way back from when the pilgrims came over. The first settlements, the influence of John Calvin upon those settlements in the Geneva Bible and such. And... That establishment was Christian. And if you go back and you look at our history, one of, the, one of the interesting things is how our literacy rate was, it, it, was, it, it skyrocketed. I mean, we were in the 90 percentiles, uh, at 95, 90 to 95%, both rural and in the city, were literate. And what was the, what was the, what was the foundation of that? Well, the families were reading the Bible in the morning and the evening at the at the dinner table and at the breakfast table. They gave themselves to God in that capacity, and they taught that to their children. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, to help me do that, just like every Wednesday, is the Common Core Diva Lynn Taylor. Good morning, Lynn. Well, hello, hello. <laughs> and as you can see, Lynn is very chipper this morning, as she always is. And uh, so, Lynn, what are we gonna what are we gonna be handling today? We're gonna be handling uh, John Calvin. We're gonna be handling education and the Bible, and mm-hmm. um, you're gonna kick it off for us. And we're gonna get into some scripture. We're gonna talk about some history. We're gonna look at some other stuff. So I'm gonna turn it over to you. Right before we do that, I want to preface to those in the chat room 
I don't have access to what you're saying, but I did see one about the current president and vice president. That is not what the show is about. If they do happen to come up, it will not be in a flattering way. I'll just leave it at that. So let's get with it. This is about education and the shaping of our minds, not some political values. Amen. I appreciate you saying that. And by the way, if anybody wants to call in, I didn't give the number. Not Chinese buffet, so if you're on this, if you're on the topic, you're welcome to call in. 215-TOP-TALK, 215-867-8255. And uh, with that, Lynn, I'm going to turn it over to you. Go ahead and uh, let everybody know what okay. you got for us this week. Well, thank you very much. Well, I hope everybody's doing okay. Um, let's see. Last week, if you missed it, we kicked off December with um, a series that Tim and I are doing this entire month. So that's going to be five Wednesdays of what the Bible says about education. And last week, I think the discussion was really, really good. We didn't have anybody call in and that's okay. So yes, if you want to call in and talk about education and the Bible, that would be super. Today, we're going to be looking at Job and the Psalms. Um, last week it was Genesis through, I believe it was, um, where did we end up, Tim? I can't remember. It was Genesis through somebody. Oh Lord. I mean, I, you're asking me that (laughs) after my week, all the stuff that I wanted wanted to see if you were awake. (laughs) Um, I'm barely awake. Uh, this is okay. It's okay. Go ahead. All right. All right. Um, Before we get into the scripture, though, you have brought up about John Calvin, and I wanted to kind of hang out there for just a few minutes, because what I found in doing the research for today's show was depending on which source you look at, John Calvin was given credit for helping build a Christian foundation in education, or he's been given credit for globalizing education. And so those are going to be in the resources for you to look at. And what I found that was so interesting was the fact that, um, like I said, again, depending on who you're looking at, but one of the sources is called newfoundations.com. And I happened to look at the two founders of that one, Dr. Edward R-O-Z-Y-C-K-I, and then Dr. Gary C-L-A-B-A-U-G-H. Okay, these people helped co-write some of the federalized national standards that we are under today, and they are one of the ones who's calling out Calvin as far as being one of the ones who was so great at making sure that education is supposed to be um, humanist and it's supposed to be global and collective and universal, and this is part of what we're seeing that is so um so dangerous. Now, also from last week, we started off with uh, a quote from the Lehman's Bible commentary, and it was, what is the good of learning about the Bible as a parent? Uh, hang on, let me start over. What's the good of learning about the Bible as a series of past events, and how can it become contemporary? Okay, what is good? What good is it to learn of God, his mighty acts in history, when I need him here now in present day? And the layman's uh, uh, commentary went on to say that John Calvin gave probably the best answer. Scriptures become spectacles or glasses which enable us to see. They bring things into focus now that otherwise would be confusing and unfocused. Furthermore, the church's experience shows studies of scripture bring the Holy Spirit's presence into our minds and lives. 
study expectantly, face your situation, better understanding past acts, events, and display God's character and nature. It can easily be applied in present day issues and problems. Now, I do want to correct that last week I said that the layman's was um, from the 40s and 50s. It's not. It was written in the 1960s. I did provide, I think, a link for that particular resource in the um, uh, resources that will show up in the archives. It did, however, use a 1940s, 50s version of the Revised Standard Version at that time. And um, Tim, if you would, I think in that link, we're going to look at the preface that was Calvin's, and this is what Calvin said about education, not what two globalists are saying that Calvin said. Okay, which which one are we looking at? Calvin's contribution? I think it was, or the... Hang on, let me get the let me get the email back up. All right, it was the. Um, okay, hang on. I thought I had it for you. Okay, uh, da, 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 da. let's see here. Um, well, I thought I had that for us. Coffee oh yes, it's thinking. the first one. It's the first one in the resources for the audience, Tim. It'll yep. say archive.org. No, not that one. Okay. I'm doing no. resource for the audience. I'm pulling up the yeah, first things you've got there. there. You go. Yeah, <laughs> I, I put it there by mistake. My, That's okay. my fault. But yeah, we're going to look at the preface only, if you would. All right. Just scroll down. Yeah, you should be able to scroll down, and that's, yeah, that's all the stuff. All right, there's the preface right there. If you want to try to enlarge that for folks. All right, there you go. It says here that it is based on the conviction that the Bible is the word of good news for the whole world. The Bible is not the property of a special group. It's not even the property or concern of the church alone. It is given to the church for its own life, but also to bring God's offer of life to all mankind, wherever there are ears to hear and hearts to respond. All right, and then it continues to go on and tell you that it is a book that is written for people who are like us, who want to get in the word, but are not necessarily scholars, okay? Um, so that's the, the value of that. And then it goes on, I think, if you'll scroll down, I think there was something in there about Calvin as well here i'm not seeing that right there but no um hmm all right it is okay look at this in our age knowledge of the bible is perilously low at the same time there are signs that many people are longing for help in getting such knowledge knowledge of and about the bible is of course not enough the grace of god and the work of the holy spirit are essential to the renewal of life through the scriptures it is in the happy confidence that the great hunger for the word is a sign of god's grace already operating within men and that spirit works most wonderfully where the word is from familiarly known and that this commentary has been written and published now the reason i wanted to bring that up tim was because this was written back in the the 60s and it's saying that education and knowledge was perilously low well in 2020 it would be abysmal wouldn't it yes Absolutely, it would. So anyway, I just wanted to point that out as a help for folks. And then the other things that we were talking about, the one that you have, coffee shop thinking. Okay, the last paragraph on that one. This was another person who was saying, oh, Calvin was a great little, you know, he was a great little um, shaper as far as what we're seeing happen in education today. And, you know, depending on what resource you look at again is to what slant you're going to get about Calvin's uh, 
foundation for what we're seeing happen in education. But I don't want to make it all about Calvin. Those are just some interesting things that I found out that, you know, and one of the things that I also wanted to point out was Calvin spent time in Geneva, Switzerland. Okay. And if you look at one of the resources that I have for you, it will tell you about his time in Geneva. But one of the things that really struck me, Tim, was that even back in Calvin's time, the spiritual roots for the city of Geneva were so shallow and so weak. And it was like, wow, well, here we are in 2020. And where does most of the United Nations activity happen? Not necessarily New York, but Geneva. So here we are once again seeing play out in our lives the continued battle of God versus evil. Because here you have a place that was supposed to be good, a man who was, you know, sinful by nature, but saved by God. And here's the same city as a root that's being used now against us. I thought that was fascinating. Well, a, a lot of this, if people go back and do their and do their history with Calvin and Geneva and such, they'll see that he began to be used to establish what they had as government there. Um, he was a guy who, if you look at his life, he wasn't looking to be prominent. He wasn't looking to be at the forefront. Uh, I've told people this. It's kind of like maybe me and Bradley, uh, the difference in giftings is there. And, uh, and Bradley would be Calvin's friend, Farrell. And he was very fiery and he was very in your face and just finger pointing and all this stuff. And Calvin's a guy who just said, I just, I don't want to be out there doing all this stuff. Just leave me alone in the library and let me read and let me write. That's what I want to do. That's my contribution. But that wasn't what God had him to do. And so as he began to pastor there, the, <clears throat> the, the city council wanted him to also instruct them as to what the Bible said so that their laws could conform to that. And as he did that, they be, they became very strong in that. And then you have somebody like, I think it was Voltaire, who comes along later on after you know Calvin, and uh, he begins to tear that down and lay way for what would later come with the, with the French Revolution. And you can right. see what that was. And if people compare the French Revolution to the American War for Independence, and I like to call mm -hmm. it that because it wasn't a revolution. It was to it was to overthrow a tyrant. It wasn't to uh, undermine society, turn things over like what we're seeing now. What we're seeing now coming to pass in America is a revolution. It was it was a war for independence. It was to throw off a tyrant. It was to reestablish law, and not change that. It was to put it back in its place, its rightful place. And so, if you see the differences of those things, you're seeing the difference of the worldview of Calvin versus the worldview of someone like Voltaire. And that's yeah. historical. We can see those things. We can see how that looks. And the fact that we went from a, a nation founded upon the Bible, uh, taught it in our, in our education, I wouldn't say our schools, even though there were little schoolhouses, taught it in our homes, taught it in our churches, principled it as part of, of law within the society. And then when the tyrants came in, we already had a foundation, and we had the churches teaching such things, that the men were courageous and they stood up against it and they fought back against it and they were able to win the day. Why? Because they trusted in what God had said. So I think that's important for people to understand there is a history that is not just in the Bible where God mm -hmm. did wonderful things. You were talking about his wonderful works in history. 
But even in our own history, recent history, we've seen God do things. And I think we're about to see God do some other things uh, in our immediate future, even though we've seen him doing things as far as bringing judgments upon America because of her sin. Right. Uh, one last thing about Calvin, and then we'll move into the scriptures. So this is from the Fox's uh, Book of Martyrs, and as you can see, my copy's pretty beat up. But on page 117, it does mention John Calvin. It says here that John Knox was a student of John Calvin, and that uh, the French-born Swiss theologian had made Geneva a city of God. After he returned to Scotland, Knox established the Presbyterianism in that country. So this was more about John Knox than John Calvin, but I thought it was interesting that we would point out that, you know, the person who supposedly founded the Presbyterian Church was a student of John Calvin's, but more so that Geneva had become a city of God. And look at Geneva today. It is not a city of God. Oh, that's absolutely true. In fact, we had a, there was a guy... Uh, we had on the show, and mm-hmm. he was the guy who had ended up suing um, Dr. Phil uh, here in the States. I forget the guy's name, but we did a show with him, two shows actually, and Geneva was uh, taking his kids, uh, they were uh, abusing his kids, and he couldn't get to them, and they were trying to take him into court all the time. His wife was Uh, tied to uh, some guys who were the heads of the Mormon religion over here in the States. And apparently recordings and things that he had was indicating that there was abuse that was going on. uh, uh, I believe it was of his wife at the time when she was a little girl by, by them and they were helping her. So that was going on. That was going on in Geneva last year, I believe, because we had him Mm -hmm. on the show like twice, or it might've been earlier this year. I can't keep up with my days. Right. And in one of the uh, resources, people will be able to see the Britannica article on um, Mr. Calvin. And you, again, will be able to see what a cesspool for the UN that Geneva has become. And again, it's wherever God goes, there's going to be the enemy who's going to come in and do as much damage as possible. And this is why it's showing up in education. And, you know, you were talking about how important it is, and it is highly underrated as far as the importance, popularity of having it um, in discussions or interviews or things like that. So this is why every week our show is so very, very important is because we are daring to do that. And so with that, let's jump into Job. We're going to be in Job 28, verse 28. Right, and if you want to read that, that would be super. All right. And to man, he said, behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to depart from evil is understanding. Super. Now, a lot of people think that when they hear the word fear in relation to God, that we're supposed to be, you know, chewing our nails and we're so just afraid. No, this means respect, to hold in awe, to have some reverence. And one of the things that we've seen that's happened in education, and this is outside the public system, just as much as it is in the public system, okay, is that awesomeness has been dumbed down to describe a cake or a drink or a show or something that is just man-made. It is not reserved anymore for 
worshiping the Lord. And this is one of the things, and it sounds kind of, you know, trivial to bring it up, but when you look at how much awesome is misused, if you see how much education is divorcing us from God um, on purpose, because after all, we can't have, we can't have uh, God because the Noahide laws that we are so tied to will be the ones, uh, will be the, the laws that dictate which God we worship. And it won't be the God of the Bible. It will not be the God who created us and saved us. It will be some watered down, dumbed down, awesome version of what someone's idea of God is. Well, yeah, and it's making light of who God is. Uh, it's making, it's actually making light. It's, I guess we use the term love that way too. We're doing that. Mm-hmm. We're not giving it, I love my French fries. I love my pick your thing. And it yeah. has nothing to do with real love at all. In fact, I don't even know that you can apply any word for love, brotherly love, the agape love, or the eros love to French fries or anything else. Right. But we're taught to do that in our language. So it is, I've said this before, and I I even do it too. Excuse me. I even do it too. And that is, I have to always, somebody is kind enough that they were saying that I was saying, no, I agree. And those are things where I have to sort of repent of how my language is used. I've had to repent of, you know, using the term lucky because that implies that, well, we're just out here you know, just throwing the dice, everything's a, a, a thing of chance when God's uh, providence is in play, and there is no such thing as luck. So there are things where we have to change our language, and, and this is this is a good uh, challenge of, of what you've given over using these kinds of terms that used to be right. used of God, now they're they're used of just anything. It's made very but, blasphemous, if you will, taking it lightly. Right, but it's not only that you know, the reason we misuse the language is not only because that's how we were taught, but it's how our society is doing. I mean, let's take, for example, a homeschooler who is totally outside of that public system or any of that. They're going to learn how to use it, but the more they're out in the culture, Kim, and we've seen this happen through the kids who have gone through this kind of learning and then gone out in the world, what happens? They start taking on that uh, cultural Uh, language, that societal language. And this is why we see a lot of homeschoolers, and I'm not picking on them, okay? I love them dearly. I'm not picking on them. I'm just trying to illustrate that you can start out with one type of education and then look at all the other kinds of other education you get outside of, say, a classroom or an education setting. So education is more about just being in a school building with a book. It's about out there living life. And this is one of the things that God put in the Bible that, you know, part of learning was our day-to-day life experience. So if we're around a lot of people who are misusing language, what are we going to pick up? What's going to be imprinted on us? So this is why, again, education is so very, very vital. All right, we're going to switch over to the Psalms. And before we get into Psalm 34, because this is a passage, I wanted to point out in my study Bible that it shows that the Psalms are broken up into five different sections, okay? Uh, Psalms 1 through uh, 1 through 41 are the basis on how we are so blessed, how we are fallen, and how we need uh, redemption and as well as salvation. Psalms 42 through 72, God is our solution and our helper. Not one of our solutions, not one of our helpers, the solution, the helper. 
book three is Psalm 30, excuse me, 73 through 89. And this is all about God's holiness. Book four of the Psalms is going to cover from 90 to 106. This is all about our relationship with God and his kingdom of which we are part. And this would be probably the biggest focus for folks if they're really wanting to dive into that relationship and what it means to care for God's kingdom, including ourselves. And then finally, book five of the Psalms covers 107 to 150. And those are all about praise and giving thanks to God. Okay. All righty. So we're going to jump over to Psalm 34, 11 through 16. So that is a passage. All right. All right. Whenever you're ready. All right. Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is the man who desires life and loves length of days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against evildoers to cut off the memory of them from the earth. Okay, come little children. Be careful what you see. Be careful what you hear. That's a more modern version of it, you know, and that's a little right. song that that we teach our kids. But yeah, come you children and listen to me. I will teach you the respect, the awesomeness, also known as fear of the Lord. And we know that is so not what's being taught even outside of the public system. Well, it's barely being, it's it's barely being taught in the church. Absolutely. I'm so glad you brought that up because that was where I was going was the one place it should be, the one place it's supposed to be, and it's not showing up. What we've seen is the church has prostituted itself into United Nations relations. Go back to those two idiots with the new foundation. They're all in the Unitarian Universalist Church, which is so in the United Nations, they even have an office in the United Nations building. So, you know, that's just one example of one denomination. You look oh, at the mainstream uh, denominations, they're no better than the mainstream media, Tim. Yeah, I, I was thinking of, though, not just those things, that that probably is the result of the other. And, and the other that I'm talking about is we get pastors, uh, I recall when we were doing a church plant, we get these pastors like this guy over here at uh, Elevation Church in Charlotte, and some of these guys, they're more mm-hmm. concerned about how primping they are of their hair, what kind of belt they wear, the jeans mm-hmm. or T-shirt that they wear, uh, than they are about you know, really having an, any awe of God and of His Word. Oh, yeah, I, I know they get their Bible. I know they try to talk well of, of God and such, but my goodness, <clears throat> I am not... Anybody that knows me knows I'm not a primpy guy. I just, I can't stand it. And um, when I see these guys and they they try to make themselves look like models and stuff and they wear these expensive clothes, to me it goes in direct contrast for every man of God we see from the the Old Testament to the New Testament and their exaltation of the God that they claim to serve. It It is like the complete opposite of that. And so... When you start getting away from that, when you start getting away from exegeting the text of Scripture, when you do those kinds of things, inevitably you're going to go into something else, and you're going to eventually erect a God of your own making. You're going to think He's just like you. By the way, that's part of what we're seeing today. Um, You know, I haven't talked about this, uh, 
But uh, this guy, Dana Coverstone, um, you know, he's in one of those kind of churches. And, you know, I listened to his message. And, folks, I think there's a lot of things that he said that I can see going to take place, but they didn't happen the way he said. And the Bible says, if it don't come to pass, you're a false prophet. And I wouldn't give Dana Coverstone two seconds. I think he ought to be out of his church. I think he ought to be out of ministry. Uh, and if he lived under Moses, they would have already dealt with him. But that's where the, that's where it leads to when the when those who are entrusted with the flock, when they're going to get away from Scripture, when they're going to take away the fear of God in doing that, which is the we read it a minute ago, um, the beginning of wisdom, and mm-hmm. also Proverbs says the beginning of knowledge. I think we covered that last week. When you take away that, and you're taking away that ability to give wisdom and to give knowledge from God's word, well, you're you're doomed to failure, and right. that's that's exactly what we're doing now. And we're right. we're giving the world around us a reason to blaspheme the very thing that we say we believe because we tolerate such things. Right, absolutely. Well, let's move on to Psalm seventy-eight. This is going to be another passage. This is three through eight. Okay. Which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us, we will not conceal them from their children, but tell to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wondrous works that he has done. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers, that they should teach them to their children, that the generation to come might know, even the children yet to be born, that they may arise and tell them to their children that they should put their confidence in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. And not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that did not prepare its heart and whose spirit was not faithful to God. This is this text right here is what I read on uh, Thanksgiving Day when I was talking about the things that God has done in the past, and the things mm-hmm. that he has done uh, not only in the Bible, but in our past, right. our forefathers' past, and then even in the present uh, to remind us that God is not just the God of history. He's the God of the present and, and the God of the future as well. Right. But let's look at this a little closer as far as for education. We're supposed to do this from generation to generation. And, you know, what are we seeing happen? We're seeing an entire sector of our older Americans absolutely being martyred, if you will, in the name of, of this pandemic because what's happening is we're killing, you know, the, the, the senior citizens who are in the nursing homes. If they're not dying from heartbreak and loneliness, uh, they're going to be one of the first ones to get the vaccine. This is going to put that entire generation, that generation that has influence over people our age, and then we have influence over people, um, people who are, you know, younger than we are. So you're looking at a generation Uh, that is really in harm's way. And what happens when you remove a generation and their influence dim, this is going to be, this is going to be one of those ramifications. No one really is considering, or if they're considering it, they're not really talking about it very much. Well, that's true. That is true. And um, it's interesting. I'm seeing some stuff that I want to respond to in the, uh, in the chat room, false doctrine, really, 
you don't know your history and you don't know your Bible if that's what you're you're thinking. Well, you know, it's interesting that that's brought up because in the study notes for this particular psalm, it says it is a history lesson. So you know. Well, they're they're speaking they're speaking of the Reformed faith, the Calvinism, or even Preterism, seeing that the words of Jesus, which even look even unbelievers can see what Jesus says in things like Matthew and Mark and Luke and, and their here, things, and, and see that they've come to pass, even as he said they would. And it's a good thing you bring that up about nonbelievers, because guess what? We all have in common. We're all parents. We all should be concerned about education. So whether you're having a Christian education or not, these harmful attitudes, values, and beliefs that we're seeing manipulated through the social and emotional learning that is going on with after-school programs, with museum programs, library programs, things in your community events, things that are supposed to be outreaches of the school that impact the rest of the community. And why is that? Because the Every Student Succeeds Act said that the communities had to be in alignment or else they would lose funding. Of course. Of course. All right, let's move on to Psalm 107. Okay. And that is going to be verse 43. Verse 43. Ah, I put in the wrong verse. That's okay. <laughs> All right, That's give me just a, a second. Okay. That's can, my I fault. I can read that. Okay. Yeah, I've got it. Whoever I, I is wise will observe these things, and they will understand the loving kindness of the Lord. Well, this is all about wisdom. And see, that's one of the things that has been left out, The you know, has been left out, is that wisdom, supposedly critical thinking, has taken the place of wisdom, but they're two entirely different things. Wisdom is not going to be found in a person unless they've lived through something, unless they have been guided in how to navigate. So in other words, your five-year-old is not going to be wise in how to handle a car because they're not old enough. Their brain has not developed enough. But see what we're seeing happen in education, and you and I have done bunches of shows on this, Tim, is that we're hurrying up our kids to hurry up and learn so that they can earn. Not live, but earn, yep. work. Yep. Yep. Part of the issue that uh, I think of with my own kids is I reminded them when they were younger, I said, one of the great benefits of homeschooling is you can do all the academic stuff. You can do your math and your history and your science and your writing and all this other stuff. You can do that and get it out of the way in a short period of time. And then you can use the, the time that you would normally be just sitting around in a public school system, and you can pursue the things that God has put within you, whether that's arts, whether that's music, whether that's uh, you know, starting a business, or whether that's you know whatever you want, whatever you're inclined towards, whatever God has given you a drive for and a desire for, then you can begin to pursue that kind of stuff. And um, uh, to me, that was something I never had as a kid. Yeah, I played sports, but that was tied to school. I sat in the classroom and have all this other stuff. But the fact of the matter is, in a, in a homeschool setting, you can get the, the basics out of the way so that you can actually pursue uh, how you'll glorify God with your life. And we, we talk about this often. It doesn't matter what that is. Ditch digging, uh, preaching, being in government, uh, making videos, doing a radio show, writing, drawing, playing music, whatever the case may be, you can see how you will glorify God and you can begin to implement those things in your life at a very young age. Remember your creator 
in the days mm-hmm. of your youth is what we're told, right? Right. And I don't, I don't argue that because, you know, that was one of the things I did with, with our girls. But let me point out as a warning, I'm not saying don't, don't do any of those things, but I'm pointing out as a warning that if you're going to do those extracurricular activities, that you look at the source, you look at who's providing it, where's their funding coming from? Because what we're seeing, Tim, and this is again part of the Every Student Succeeds Act, is the infiltration of all kinds of things like apprenticeships, internships, uh, volunteer programs, all these other things that usually are wonderful extracurricular activities for our homeschoolers. And they have been taken over with the either sustainable development goals or the career tech education, which also leads to the sustainable development goals. So I'm not saying don't do them, but know what you're getting into. Know that this might compromise those very things that you set up in your homeschool to protect them from, and, you know, you're sending them out to participate in it. So We know that uh, through the Bible, there have been instances where people have been in those exact situations and where God has protected them and used their uh, mission through whatever it was to help influence others. So we do have a golden opportunity, but we've got to be super, super careful that we're in it, not of it. Yep, I completely agree. Okay. Psalm 119, verse 66, please. All right. Let me find my cursor again. (laughs) <laughs> which which one are we? Uh, <clears throat> 66. It's one nineteen sixty-six. I am. <clears throat> you know what? I put that one in and that's my fault again. This is not okay. Lynn's fault. This it. is this is mine. I got it. <laughs> Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe your commandments. Look at the way the commandments have been so just thrown out. Or look at the way they've been misused. Uh, for instance, the Noahide laws claim that they're based out of the commandments. They are absolutely not. Right. Okay. Yeah, and I and uh, just so people understand, um, and I want to I want to clear this up because uh, Lynn did give me this list, uh, but what I did was I put that Psalm 107 in twice and I, I missed the other one. So that was my fault. I just want to apologize for that. That's not her fault. That's mine. Uh, but you're right. There is a changing of those laws and you know, it's even worse in the church. Mm-hmm. Forget the Noahide laws here for a second, because most people don't even know what that stuff is. Okay. Most people Fine. don't look at the church. We have the church today saying, the Ten Commandments, the law, that's not for today. That's for way back there. You know, that's that's for that's for the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. That's not for we have people saying that. The pastor at the church I was at, I did a I wrote a foreword for his book called An Everlasting Covenant. You can get it on Amazon. It's by Michael Ware. And um he that's exactly what he's dealing with with guys who are sort of stealing the idea of new covenant theology. That's what they call it. But it's, well, we, we follow the law of Christ. Well, what's the difference in the law of Christ and the law of God? I, I don't see any difference. It seems to me Christ came to reestablish it. Paul says that. He, he doesn't say that we did away with the law. The law is still there. So <clears throat> this idea that the law is somehow done away with, is more of a problem in the church than it ever is with the Noahide laws, even though I understand all the things of how it got into the federal issues. 
But the fact of the matter is, this comes back to the church. Why is the church leaving off the law of God? Why are they doing that? And I think that's a question that many are going to have to ask themselves. Why have we gotten away from God's law or rendered it and rendered it useless for not only the people of God, but even for our society as a whole, that that is not the foundation for why we have law in the community in the first place. Right. Well, remember, this is from one of the, the, the sections of Psalms that points out that need for a relationship and that need for salvation. So let's not lose that. All right. With that, we're going to hop over to Proverbs and we are in Proverbs 1. And we're going to do verses seven through nine. Yep. And I got that one. I did get that. Awesome. (laughs) Whoopsie, I did it. (laughs) All right. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Hear, my son, your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Indeed, they are a graceful wreath to your head and ornaments about your neck. Aha. And let's look at all the issues we're facing, both in public education and beyond. Now, this is one of the things that I have in the um, the uh, resources for everyone is, you know, a lot of people think, well, you know, if I, it's, it's an automatic that if you go to public education, you're going to be hit with all these um, issues that we're seeing, you know, social justice, the the sexual uh, orientation, all these other kind of things. And they think um, that, well, if I just pull them out in a homeschool, I'm going to be in some sort of safe bubble and none of those issues can, can get to my child. And I'm here to tell you that is not true because if you look at the research that goes into all the data mining that is done even on home education and the main culprit is our government. But if you look at places like the National Home Education Research Institute, they will tell you there are roughly 2.5 million homeschool children across the nation. All right, ResearchGate has said that of the LGBTQ community, five to 20% of them are homeschooling as well. Now, this was as of uh, 2018. All right. The Human Rights Campaign, which we know is very much in with the United Nations. They are using homeschooling as a negative connotation for Christianity on page four of their 2018 report about about education. And this is how they're doing it. That this particular Christian parent was negatively handling the attitudes and the behaviors that they were displaying towards their child who had decided to come out. So just wanted to point that out, that here we have something that's mentioning homeschooling, but it's only bringing it out in a negative connotation. All right. I also provided for you a homeschool alumni uh, program called Reaching Out, seven ways to not only embrace the children who are choosing alternative ways, but to lift them up, if you will. I thought that was pretty, pretty sad. Um, Center on Reinventing Public Education. They are very, very much in the Common Core machine, very slanted, especially uh, towards uh, school choice, which includes homeschooling. We've seen that. They state that there's not enough data on those who are 
in homeschooling. And the reason they're in homeschooling was to escape the bullying and the, the martyrdom, if you will, that they were getting. So now we're seeing that homeschooling has been compromised. And that was my point, Tim, was that it's not just those who are choosing to exit public education to save their children from saying being bullied. It is those homeschool children who we know how they were raised and what they were taught. And we're seeing their attitudes and values shift again because they've gone out and they've become of the world and not in the world. Well, right. And but that can. If you ask me, that comes back on the parents. Because again, this is, it's not just, you know, whoever's being funded or whatever. I understand that that can play a part in it. And I don't want people to think that when I say, oh, homeschool your kids, that uh, they're just going to grow up to be just, um, you know, these, these perfect little, you know, beings out there in the world. I don't think that at all. But I, because they're human, they came from us. So, I right. mean, you know, if they got any flaws, look at them. They, they got them from, from mm-hmm. mom and dad. But the fact of the matter is they are to be protected to a certain extent within the home so that they can yes. be trained in their mind so that when they go out in the world, when they look, when they go into Walmart, they're going to see stuff that you can't help yeah. but see. They're going right. to they're going to be faced with things that they're just not going to be able to run away from um they're going right. to, they're going to face those things so it's mom and dad's job is to give them instruction as uh, as is written here in proverbs and indeed they're a graceful wreath to your head ornaments about your neck they're to be those things that constantly remind you that the creator has given you instruction he gave it to you through your mother and father i mean i'm not trying to be blasphemous but your mother and father are as it were to supposed to be the mouthpiece of God by giving his word to our children and instructing them. And when they go astray, what do we do? We do the same thing the Bible says that God does for those he loves, for those who he calls his children. We discipline them, not to harm them, but to correct them because we know what's coming out in life. Look, um, let me give an example real quickly. I'll turn it back to you because I know we got one scripture we got to get to uh, before the end of the show. We report on a lot of you know, issues that happen involving police officers. And some people will go, oh, well, that that guy, that cop shot this guy. Yeah, the guy was mouthing off, and maybe he wasn't in the right to do that. He should have been showing a little bit of respect in how he was handling uh, the officer. It doesn't give the officer a right to kill some guy just because he's mouthy. It just doesn't do that. But the fact of the matter is there are a lot of kids who never learn any respect for anybody else, whether it's a police officer, whether it's a friend, whether it's you pick your person. They don't learn any respect for that, uh, for any kind of authority at all. Um, they don't learn to respect their parents. And so when they go out in the world, they, they're just put out there and they're thrown out there to be harmed. And instead of having a loving parent that corrects them with discipline, they get an authoritarian figure, a tyrant, who's just fine with tossing them in a cell, um, killing them, doing whatever, because they don't learn any of this stuff. And so they react to it differently. And now that's not to say that there aren't people who stand up for their rights. There are people who do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're not in the way some of these kids, I mean, I see some of them, and grown adults acting like a bunch of five-year-olds uh, with one another. They don't even know how to interact with one another. And so they get cops called on. They get all these kinds of things. And again, guys, I I understand the arguments, but I'm saying it's clear to me in some cases that, boy, mom didn't teach you when to keep your mouth shut 
and not to open it. And that's not to justify whatever some other things happen to them, but that is a reality. That's, that's a reality. It's there. So it's, right. it's, in, and, it's incumbent right. upon mom and dad to teach them these things. Absolutely. But let's, let's also look at this, Tim. If you're going to a church with a watered down doctrine and a watered down gospel, and you're doing everything that you're, that you think you're doing is what they're saying. Okay. This is the way to do it. And then you have something like, you know, child who goes wayward it's yes it's on the parents but my point is it's also because the church has failed the family well absolutely and i think that's what we were talking about a minute ago yeah where they've departed where they've departed away from the word of god and they've not given it as it is not so that they don't offend somebody especially somebody who's got the pocket string the purse strings who uh, are are you know giving money to the church and they're going to tell them, hey, we're going to take mm-hmm. that money away from you if you don't straighten this up and quit talking about this, that, and the other. And we got about two minutes here. Let's hit this last passage oh, and uh, okay. let, let's finish sure. it. Sure, sure. Okay, this is Proverbs three. Um, you've got one through three, then verses thirteen, and then nineteen and twenty. I don't know if we can pull that off in two minutes, but we'll sure try. Okay, my son, do not forget my teaching. Uh, but let your heart keep my commandments, for they will add length to your days, years, and peace to your life. Never let loving devotion or faithfulness leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And then I'm jumping down to 11. Is that right? Yep. My son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord and do not loathe his rebuke. And then we're down to 16. No, 13. 13. I'm sorry. Blessed is the man who finds wisdom and the man who acquires understanding. Okay, and the last one is 19 and 20. Okay. The Lord founded the earth by wisdom and established the heavens by understanding. By his knowledge, the watery depths were broken up and the clouds dripped with dew. Okay, so happy is the man who finds wisdom. The Lord made the world by wisdom. So the one thing that we need to have more of is wisdom and we're not getting it. And so we need to help self-educate ourselves on this so that we can influence those who we have uh, in relationships with. Yep. And just a note here, because we got to close out the show. Sure. Look at the look at that compared to the world's wisdom. The world's wisdom tells you a boy can become a girl, a girl can become a boy. Um, <clears throat> you can cheat and steal and step your way up to the top of the corporate ladder. You can uh, take care of everything through sustainable development goals. You can uh, organize everybody into everything that uh, you know the world wants you to be, only to find out you're just a cog in the wheel. That's not how God's world works. Lynn, right. we got about uh, 20 seconds. Let people okay. know where they can find about you. <laughs> If you want to show everybody the BNJ image that I showed you, because I know I've been a lot of people tell me they can't find me on Breaking News Journal. So I just wanted to have everybody see that so that they could find me. But you can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter, MeWe, localactivist.org. You can find me on Parlor, uh, BNJ right there. Okay. So that's how you find me. Okay. All right, Lynn, we appreciate you as always. Guys, have a great uh, Wednesday. And uh, tomorrow, Brand Thornton and Captain Carl will be back with us. See ya.